0: The Detroit Tigers split a doubleheader today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, June 1st. Happy June, everybody. Happy June. Man, this year is flying by June 1, 2022. Thank you for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Blue Nile Jewelry. Make your moment sparkle with the jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Tigers listeners are getting $50 off of purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use Locked On at checkout. Okay, we are back. Tigers split on Tuesday, uh, the last day of May. Nice little doubleheader. Day-night doubleheader. Um, I am a... It's my some feathers. I am a uh, night game aficionado. I I like night games significantly more than day games. For me, it's not even particularly close. Um, if I have a chance to go to one or the other, there is a 0% chance I am choosing uh, a day game. We may have even had this conversation before. I'm trying to think maybe in the off season or something like during the lockout when stuff was slow, but like, I I mean, I'm not kidding. I will, I'll, I'll reject tickets to a day game. I, I don't enjoy them. I'm fine watching them on TV. It's not like the fact that they are early. It's just like going to a ball game. Like for me, that feels like something you do at the nighttime. And then like you come home, you unwind, you go to bed. Like you, that was like your evening, your afternoon. Like that was your like big day event. It just feels weird to me to like go to a ball game and then come home and still have like the whole rest of your day still I don't know I don't know maybe that's just weird there's a lot of reasons I don't I don't like the sun is right above you in the summertime like it's just it it's not I don't know I I, I love baseball and I, I will never not watch the Detroit Tigers oh uh, but day games you you bet your bottom I'm going to be watching from from my couch uh night games is where you'll get me off the couch and i was at the night game in this one actually um that was such a good transition and it wasn't even planned that's actually crazy how how impressive and like professional that sounded when it wasn't at all it was an accident but here we are i did go to the night cap uh the one the tigers won so that's always fun tale of two games for sure i mean in the first game we kind of went back to what we thought was same old same old offense was absolutely silent pitching uh, got roughed up, which isn't same old, same old for this team. But the pitching was really brutal in the first game of uh, of this doubleheader. Lost the first one eight to two, and then the nightcap came around, and and Joey Wentz pitched a gem until he got hurt, which we'll get into. And uh, team pitched a shutout, combined shutout, four nothing victory over the Minnesota Twins. So uh, in this five game set, five game set ridiculous but here we are in uh in in this five game series we are now up two games to one and we will gladly take that if we can win back-to-back series here we got a chance to uh to still get this thing back on track and i think that's that's what we all want nobody wants the season to be over by june 1st so let's let's keep it rolling let's win a series Let, let's win the next series and uh and and see what's up let's have some fun this summer but these two games, like I said, tale of two uh, – I almost said tale of two halves, right? Like the common, common basketball and, and football terminology there. Um, t- tale of two games for sure. The first one – and look, some of it's not the team's fault per se. The offense is obviously at, at the fault of the hitters. That has been something that, that's not new. They have struggled mightily all season. Uh, even in the four nothing victory, it wasn't like a masterful offensive performance. Like it, you know, we we had five hits, it was just we had a first inning home run that was really cool. Uh, and then after that, there was a act, it was a misplayed grounder, was it not? Misplayed ground ball to second base that that scored a couple more runs. So it it wasn't even like a great offensive performance, it's just your opponent had a worse offensive performance and, and got shut out and only had three hits. So we will uh, we'll gladly take it. We'll take a win anyway if we can get it, baby. But uh, just still, the offense even through the win, the the offensive issues continue to to be apparent. Uh, I mean, six runs in in eighteen innings is not terrible, uh, but but it's not it's not fantastic either. So that that's your run total for the day in a double header, um, and and most of your best hitters played both of those games. Miggy being the only exception, really, that I can think of all the time. I had Hobby played both, Scope played both. Cody Clemens' debut on uh, on Tuesday night as well. Super fun, super fun. Uh, had a had a, his first career at bat. Nice rip to left field. Got some good wood on it. That's always good. Four pitch walk. That's an easy day at the office. We'll take those. Uh, and then I believe he had a strikeout. I don't remember what he did uh, in his other at bat, but I, I do remember strikeout walk line out and that that's not a not a bad day at the office not a bad day at the office at all we had two strikeouts not a bad day at the office so um like i said first at bat i, I thought was actually a pretty good i think it was the second pitch of the ab he drove to left field got it got a pitch that he liked took a hack at it uh definitely went fishing once in one of the strikeouts uh four pitch walk uh, that that's kind of easy right four pitches but um, it was just a cool event. Like his whole family was there. Obviously having, having Roger there was super, uh, kind of a cool one where they had a whole suite where like the whole family was up there and, and standing and jumping around and had their phones out. He made a couple of nice defensive plays too. Uh, looked, looked pretty, looked pretty good in the field at second. And, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it's already AJ Hinch guaranteed that Cody Clemens will start in left field, left field. One of the corner outfields. I'm going to say left field, but if I'm wrong, don't don't be mean. Um, I, I He will start in uh, in left on Wednesday, so that's super cool, getting him some A-Bs. Uh, I also liked the lineup in the second game and how they gave Clemens a start at his most natural position, right? Giving him the start at second base, but also keeping Scopey in the lineup. He's been... I know we got off to the terrible start, but he's been one of the best hitters. So keeping him in the lineup while letting Clemens be at at the position that he's probably most comfortable at is uh, is a really smart move. And I I really liked the lineup as a whole in the second game. I I was I was kind of a I was kind of a big fan of it um, and, and how it was constructed. So really solid. Really solid. Again, the offense has still had its its ups and downs, and it was certainly not stellar today by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I'm gonna gladly take a, a one and one against the division leader at this point, while also already being up in the series. I'm gonna gladly take that. So here we are. And we will I guess we can get to the pitching. Like again, in the first game, there's not even too terribly much to talk about. Like Ronnie Garcia started a game and I I know everybody has their, their opinion on, on, well, everything, but also on Ronnie Garcia, Ronnie Garcia. I I don't think too many people look at him and think that he's some starting pitcher going forward, but I, I don't think the team does either. I think this is a situation of, Hey, look, we have five of our opening day starters, all on the IL at the same time. On opening day, we had six starting pitchers. We now have one of those six that is healthy. That's preposterous. That's not something you can plan for. And and, and so Ronnie Garcia has to start when we have a doubleheader. And so does Joey Wentz. Because it's a doubleheader. We haven't had a day off in a very long time. We, well, not a very, very long time anymore. But we haven't had a day off in a while. And we also don't have a day off going forward in a little bit. So here we are. You get you get it, You get get Ronnie Garcia and, and Joey Wentz. And Joey looks good. We'll get to him later on in the show. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing with Ronnie, too is that well we'll get to it after the break. That that's that was also an unintended tease. I apologize for doing that to you. But we'll get into this after this because there Ronnie's start was was kind of weird. Like it was it it was weird. We'll get to it. I do have to tell you all though about uh Blue Nile jewelry. The the fine folks over at bluenile.com. We talked about them to introduce the show, but it, it's the original Online jeweler. Whether you're ready to, to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at blue Nile.com. Blue Nile has a simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is truly one of a kind. If you're looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. So they're available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. So make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Tigers listeners are getting $50 off of a purchase of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use the code On. That's code LOCKEDON plus Every order is insured, it ships free, it arrives in discreet packaging that won't get, give away what's inside, so you can shop stress-free and find your forever piece at BlueNile.com today. Alright, welcome back for segment two, everybody. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Uh, we also have an important favor to ask of you. Before we get any further, we've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like, what you don't like about Locked On podcast as a whole. So go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Go, go to some Tigers games with that money. Take our audience survey. Go to lockedontigers. Sorry, go to lockedonpodcasts. slash survey. Thank you so much for your help. Just a cool little thing we're doing. Um, I'm sure those will be those will be uh, very very fun reads. I'm sure. Uh, but like I said, do have a chance to win that. Always good to get feedback. Always healthy. So let's talk. Get back talking about the tigers, though. Uh, the pitching situation. Ronnie Garcia that is who i i teased accidentally before the break look it's it's so weird how he was like like he was decent when he when he was <laughs> i don't know how word, i don't know how else to word it his curveball was actually like like really good like his curveball was a nasty pitch he hung one that got cranked to the moon but besides that it was like almost a guarantee swing and miss. Like he had 11 whiffs on the day, 90 pitches. He, he had 11 whiffs. Eight of them were on the curveball. Like he he had the curveball, all the curveball numbers and, and metrics are really good. All of them. And then it, it's just, you know, besides that. It was almost like an every other inning thing too. Like it was a weird start, dog. It, it really was. Like there was, there was the first inning. He he got hit around a little bit, and you were like, all right, like that's that's not ideal. But like here we are, we're fine, we're still in this game. Then the second inning, I think he goes one, two, three, or close to. When you're like, all right, well that that was not bad. Some hard contact, but they were all outs. Then the third inning is kind of a train wreck, and you're like, okay, well that wasn't great. But then after the bases are cleared or like there's only one man on first base or something like after the whole, I know it was after the home run. I think after like the bases were like cleared, then he just started getting a ton of whiffs and swings and misses and, and like had a couple of strikeouts and you're like, okay, Ronnie Garcia, cool for sure. Like I, it was the most like beautifully inconsistent outing I've maybe ever seen in my life. Like there were times when I was, I was legitimately impressed. Like, damn, okay, Ronnie. And then there were a lot of at bats where, especially early on, I don't know why he just kept going to the fastball. It was not working. He he was throwing a, a, a nice little 92 mile an hour four seam with center cut, just lobbing it up there in the strike zone, catching way too much of the plate. And I as you can tell, I'm not losing over any very much sleep over the first game. Like, like, we have a chance to take four of five still from Minnesota. We're a win away from winning a five-game series against them. I, I, I'm i not going to – we have five starting pitchers hurt. I'm not going to get all riled up and upset because we lost a Ronnie Garcia start in the first game of a doubleheader in a five-game series. You're not going to find that kind of frustration here. That, That just seems pointless. We're still set up really nice for the remainder of the series. He did what he could. This isn't a position he expected to be in. This isn't a position that the organization expected to be in. This isn't a a position that me or the fan base expected him to be in. It, it, this is just a, a really crappy situation that we're all trying to make the best of with this injury bug that's going around. And uh, it, it's, 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 it's Ronnie Garcia. I don't know what else to tell you. So, while I, I it certainly was not a great outing. He gave up what six. Uh, it certainly wasn't a, a, a spectacular outing by any stretch, and and the fastball location in the first two innings, at least, probably the first three, was really brutal. I, I mean, it was it was fastballs catching a lot of the plate, and like I said, they were all center cut. They were all moving. Had a little bit of tail going going right toward the heart of the plate. Um, but that curveball is nice, and that really just reiterates the. F- fact that Ronnie Garcia is not a major league starter and again I don't think anyone expects him to be uh, this is just tough times but I do have some faith that he could be a low stress reliever I, I do that the curveball is nice it has good metrics it's been getting a lot of swings and misses if it's tunneled well, with, with the four-seam fastball, I, I think there might be some potential there. Now, you need way better command on the four-seam fastball to be able to set up the curveball that gets you a lot of whiffs. And you can't just throw a curveball 50 times and expect good results because that's not how that works either. But in a perfect world, I, I, I can see a reality in which Ronnie could provide some decent innings in low-stress situations. And I, I guess that's what I take out of this. There you go. I, I, it's not super exciting. I, I didn't claim it was going to be. <laughs> uh, I, 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 just because I teased it doesn't mean it was going to be anything fun. Um, but that is, that is where I stand with Ronnie Garcia. Joey Wentz started the second game. He looked phenomenal. And I had seats uh, in the lower bowl, like in between home plate and the third base dugout, like in that section there, like 131, 132 area. And uh, that was you, you could you, A, you could see the movement from where I was, which is already very impressive. You know, when you can tell what pitch is coming from your seats, that's always or what pitch is thrown from your seats. That's always really impressive. But uh, I, I was just coming back. The reason that you're getting this at this episode isn't available right at midnight is because when I'm at games, I come home and, and rewatch quickly as quickly as I can. Uh, the pitching performance, as well as some of the key at-bats in the game so that I, I have a better kind of grip of what I'm talking about. And uh, I, I think the biggest thing for me with Wentz was, A, right off rip, uh, the velocity got up pretty high. And by the end of the outing, it was in back down to like 91, 92, and that's why he inevitably got, inevitably got pulled because he was having some discomfort in, in his throwing arm. Uh, But right off rip, I mean, he was topping out at almost 97 miles an hour. That's nice. That's real nice. Got six whiffs on the four-seam fastball, six whiffs on the game. Um, The average exit velocity for the total outing was 92 miles an hour. That is pretty high. Uh, It's not alarming like this is the worst outing of all time high, but it's definitely higher than you want it to be uh, in the same breath. The curveball. Put in play only twice, 86-mile-an-hour average exit velocity. That's pretty solid. Um, The CSW percentage on the game called strikes plus whiffs, a stat that we like around here if you're in the high 20s. That's usually where most starting pitchers rest. His CSW percentage for the game was 35%. He had nine called strikes and six whiffs on his four-seam fastball, that pitch alone had a 44% CSW percentage. Now, it got hit pretty hard. 93 off the bat was the average, and it maxed out at over 100. He got ripped a couple of times. But that that's a really good and, – and, you know, that's going to happen when you throw 67% four-seam fastballs. But this is – I was a guest on uh, on Castellani's show um, the other day, and I that is – One of the things that we talked about there is Fetter's development. It is very clear that when you in your first few starts, you pound the strike zone. That is your job. You will not walk people. You will not beat yourself. You will not put this team in a you will not put yourself in a position where you have to pitch with runners on base that you put there. Make the hitter beat you. Even the best hitters in the world. Six out of ten times, seven out of ten times are getting out. Make them beat you. You the odds are in your favor, even if you're not hitting your spots that well. So pound the strike zone. And that's exactly what he did, especially with the four-seam fastball. He only threw 51 pitches and 34 of them were the four-seam. If that doesn't prove my point, I don't know what else does. 34 67%, two-thirds of his pitches were four-seam fastballs, pounded the zone. Noah, he didn't even throw a single other pitch. He threw a curveball, a cutter, and a changeup in this game. None of even none of those even registered 10 pitches. He threw the curveball seven times, the cutter six times, and the changeup four times. I, I kind of liked his changeup in the minor leagues. I think that could be a pitch that that he uses as he gets more comfortable in the majors. But we've seen time and time again. We saw it with Scooble last year. We saw it with Mize last year. We saw with Fayeto in his first start. We, we've seen it in starts since, right? Like Fieedo is still pretty new to this whole thing too. Outside of the the seventeen with game or whatever that that Fayeto had a couple of weeks ago, we've seen it a lot with him. You, you, early on in these guys' career, Feder and Hinch are going to ask them to just pound the zone, keep the pitch count down, make every single hitter beat you. And tonight, the Minnesota Twins did not, and that's why you do it. Because the odds are in your favor, baby. You're, you're, you're a pitcher at the major league level. The odds are in your favor, no matter how talented you are. So uh, super cool to see him do that. Rough ending that we'll talk about in the third segment. Uh, but four innings, one hit, no walks, no runs, four strikeouts. It's a good strikeout total in that, right? That, that's, you're on pace for 9K per nine. That, that's solid. Anything above that's that's butter. So uh, really, really impressed with him really impressed. It was pretty, um, it was pretty on brand, I guess is the phrase I'll say. Like, I, I expected that to be the pitch mix and everything because this is his second major league start and who our coaching staff is. Um, but he he executed and that's all you can ask for. He executed the game plan and it worked. So shout out to the coaching staff, shout out to Federer as always, and shout out to Joey Wentz for, for executing that brilliant great game plan that they always have. Okay, let's get into uh, some of the other stories from today, some of the bullpen performances, and of course, we can't get through this show without talking about the injury situation. But first, I gotta tell y'all about Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Betting Bet Online is your continued source. For all your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. So, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back to our third and final segment here at Locked On Tigers. Thanks for making this your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. So, Joey Wentz exits this game with an injury. I I can't remember whether it was elbow or shoulder, but it was some discomfort in the throwing arm. Uh, Never good. Never good, period. Uh, Really not good when you have the situation that, that the Tigers have right now, which is just a ridiculous amount of pitching injuries. Like to the extent that I have never seen before. I truly have never seen anything like this, ever. Like I said early in the show, we came into this season with six starting pitchers, if you include Tyler Alexander, six, five, if you don't, but because of the Michael Pineda visa situation, Pineda was healthy and everything, but in in, in the organization just had to get stretched out a little bit at the beginning and Alexander was in the rotation. So we had six starters on opening day that were healthy. By mid-May, we had one. Then Scuba got hit by a liner. We all cried and freaked out. I almost made an emergency episode, but thankfully I didn't uh, because he, he ended up being okay. Thank goodness. So we have one. It's June 1st now officially as I'm recording this. We have one. One from opening day. The rotation has Bo Brisky, who last year was pitching in Double A, impressed in spring, I- impressed a lot in spring, and has been pretty solid, given where he was and what we're asking him to do here at the major league level so far. Alex Fayedo, who started off the season in High Single A, and Joey Wentz comes up when you have a double header. And Ronnie Garcia is getting spot starts. And, yeah, he still got Scooble. We also found out that Casey Mize was moved to the uh, 60-day IL. Uh, it was pointed out to me after I, when I first got the notification, I was like, oh, well, that sucks. But it was pointed out to me uh, by a few different people that uh, he, he, today was the 45th day that he was on the il already so putting him on the 15 day again if they were to restart that would be the equivalent of moving him to the 60 because that's 15 more days right math so uh that that's pretty expected and makes a ton of sense for them to them move him to the 60 when you move someone to the 60 you can also remove them from the 40 man uh which is a big thing and i think the other reason why they did it because will vest is back and they did not have to kick anyone off the, uh, the 40-man roster in order to make room for him. So uh, I think that's probably why. Now, that all being said, I don't have very much faith uh, that Casey Mize will be ready in 15 days. I don't know. I'm not him. I'm not his trainer. I'm not down there in Florida. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I think it's safe to say that nobody is like super confident in in that injury right now. And I'm not going to speculate the extent of it. I'm not going to speculate like the severity of the injury just strictly. Is he going to come back in 15 days when he's eligible to come off the IL? Uh, I'm, I would say that it's a decently safe bet to say no. What happens after that? All speculative, all who knows. We, We can only hope and pray for the best. Um, but I don't think too many people are encouraged by what has been happening with Mize, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So hopefully we're we're, we're reading the room wrong and everything's fine and he can get back, but um, definitely a little scary at the present moment. Matt Manning just isn't throwing, so we got a while on him. Erod is starting to throw again, and apparently the last time he threw, he didn't have too much discomfort. So hopefully we can get him back relatively soon. That would be super nice. Um, Scooble has been back. Pineda, uh, I, I don't think, is throwing yet. I mean, he broke a bone in his hand, so I, I don't think he's anywhere, like, super, super close. Uh, it's And Tyler Alexander is scheduled to make a start in Toledo, like, soon. Like, this week soon, I believe. So maybe even Wednesday, maybe even the day you're listening to this, I know at some point, like within the next 24 to 72 hours, he is expected to, to make a spot start for Toledo. So hopefully that can go well um, and, and we can get some pitching depth on this team for the first time in over a month. But uh, I, I, you could tell Wentz was really upset when they pulled him out of the game. You could tell he didn't want to. Barnhart is the one that called for the trainer, right? The catcher. It's never good when the catcher sees something. Never good. I've, I've been, I've, I've been there. I've caught uh, pitchers who have, who have gotten hurt like that before, like in, in the middle of their outing. You don't want to be that dude, especially when they have four shutout going and one hit ball, one base runner in four innings, only 50 pitches under his belt. You don't want to be the guy that, that tells a young kid in his second major league start. He's got a shutout and has only allowed one base runner through four in his second ever start. You don't want to be the dude that that calls out the trainer. Especially because he's the extra man on the roster. And he just got sent right back to Toledo afterwards. But in doubleheaders, you get an extra player on the roster. You, you never want to be in Barnhart's situation. But you got to prioritize the health of, uh, of all your players. Especially the young kids more than anything. And uh, it just sucks. So, haven't gotten an update. I'm sure we won't get an update probably for the next couple of days. Uh, I just know that he's going back to Toledo and he will be back in Toledo. Uh, Willie Peralta was kind of struggling with command, to be honest, but didn't allow any runs. So does his job. ERA down to 0.8. Continues to be the guy whenever somebody gets hurt, we just go to Willie Peralta and everything's fine. The fireman role. Beautiful. Andrew Chafin. Looks really, really solid, I thought. And Jason Foley legitimately pitched one of the best innings I think I've ever seen him pitch. He looked fantastic and he looked fantastic in the seats. And then I came home and watched his inning and it was the best eight pitches. I I think he's ever thrown in, in order, in sequence in his entire life. Only had one hit, but hit every single spot. Seven of eight were strikes. Uh, It it was, it was masterful, masterful. So, uh, I know the one ball got hit really hard. Don't care. that That is that is maybe the best I, I've seen Jason Foley look. Uh, and giving, giving Jason Foley the eighth is bold. And I think it's just a testament to how good A.J. Hinch is at his job because that is a really – Chafin gets the seventh, Fulmer gets the ninth, and Jason Foley gets the eighth inning. Seems like a head scratcher. And then Jason Foley pitches really, really well. Um, has the shutout, gets a strikeout, beauty. And then Michael Fulmer comes in and does Michael Fulmer things. Thankfully, he looks like the the velocity dip that he had in early May looks to have just been uh, a, a blip in the radar. And he looks to be perfectly fine. The velocity is was, uh, was, was pretty okay. It, it didn't pass 95, right? Like I think his four seam topped out at like 93 even. Uh, but the slider topping out at, at 91 is really more what I'm looking at. And that that's pretty encouraging. Um, and I think the sinker got up it back higher up into like 94, 95 range too. So, um, I'm very happy with what I saw from Fulmer. hard not to right? one inning of, of perfect ball with two K's hard to beat that. And that's a shutout for your Detroit Tigers. Let's keep winning. Scooby on the bump, baby, man. It's just, it's so nice. You're up in the series. You're a win away from winning the series. And to just be able to go Scooble and guarantee a series win, a five-game series against the first-place team in your division, that's why Scooble's the dog. It's, It's just so nice to have a dude like that again. It's so nice. It's probably been since Verlander that we've had, like, a real true like ace ace of a team and i know he's still young and he's still got plenty of development and i'm sure there'll be blips in his development it might even be today it might even be you know he he might whatever but there it's the first time in in years that no matter what the situation is when this specific guy is on the mound i feel like we're gonna win that day first time i felt that in a very long time so thank you scooby thank you That's all I got for you. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Locked on MLB podcast. Host Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked on MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts, just like us, baby. I think that's all I got. Let's go win a series, man. Let's go win a series against the first-place team in this division. Let's go win a series and, and set yourself up. If you, win, if you win today, if you win Wednesday, you get to set yourself up to take four of five from the first-place team in your division. So let's do that. Let's go win today. Why not us, baby? Why not us? I can't wait to watch Scooby. And uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow. As always, dog, peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then. Go Tigers.